What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian and Ozzy podcast. This week, we're going to be analyzing the UFC 270 pay-per-view going down this Saturday, the first pay-per-view of the year 2022. I'm joined by my co-host, as always. How are we doing this week, Ozzy? Sweet. Uh, we're back uh, one day early off a hot card last week, rolling right into the first pay-per-view event of the year. And, uh, you know, we're going to keep this UFC train uh, going. Um, you know, there's a Bellator at the end of this month, but, you know, good to be in the flow of... Uh, uh, quality fights every week and uh, looking forward to, to this event and uh, definitely have some uh, I think there's good value over here on this uh, card but could be a little bit uh, high variance too at the same time and uh, it's a little bit different than the setup of last week but uh, yeah let's let's do this yeah, only 10 fights last week. We breezed through that one pretty quickly. 13 fights in the pay-per-view, some better fights this week, so I expect this one to go a bit longer. But we got week one off to a great start in 2022. It was a pretty solid underdog card, four underdogs won. And uh, for me personally, I made 2.13 units in my official track bets and so started off the year in the green. And Ozzy, you had yourself a pretty damn good week. How'd you do? Very good. 8.69 units uh, profit and up off of just over 12 and a half uh uh, wrist, um, you know, it was a perfect night other than the Collier fight, uh, you know, ending early, even though I did have Collier money line and then Bonturin, uh, giving away that decision kind of sort of, uh, there at the end, if Bonturin wins sweep everything, I even, you know, was feeling very good last week and, uh, did like a parlay, you know, you know, a few 50 to ones, hundred to ones that would have won <laughs> if, if, uh, if Bonturin would have got that win. So a little crushing there. But uh, but really really good event overall. Bunch of dogs came through. Uh, Cater, uh, Bill Algio, obviously I kind of you know advocated for him heavily. Court McGee, best bet of the you know first best bet of the year, and as well as uh, Jamie Pickett. So very very good start. And uh, you know we're not gonna turtle this week. We're gonna take some shots this week, and uh, I think uh, expand on this uh, you know first month run. Yeah, if you guys didn't already know, we're pretty big on the dog heavy strategy. Last week was a good week for the dogs. Um, like Ozzy said, our, our hometown guy, Bill Algio, came through. It was nice to see him get the win. Uh, Calvin Cater showed up amazing in the main event, put on an absolute clinic. Uh, probably the most elbows ever landed in the UFC fight there. It was just amazing to watch. And uh, it was a very solid card to get back the uh, to the year. Uh, four weeks off UFC, we definitely missed it. And uh, we're going to keep things rolling into this week. So uh, we got ourselves 13 fights. And let's get right into them. And we're starting things off in the women's flyweight division. We have the first of eight fighters making their UFC debut. Flyweight or strawweight? It's, strawweight. it's flyweight. No, it's there flyweight. 125? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's according to Tapology. Um, that is worth noting. So we have Kay Hansen, minus 235. Jasmine Jazdavidius, plus 200. According to Bet Online. I'll read all the lines off of Bet Online. And the reason why Ozzy was a bit confused there is because Kay Hansen did fight at strawweight for her past several fights. She's moving up to 125 here. And she's going to be at a bit of a size disadvantage. I mean, you could call it a, a huge size disadvantage. Uh, JJ has five inches of height, five inches of reach over Hansen. And I think that you know, right off the bat, I'm liking the plus 200 dog here. Uh, I've rewatched some of her fights, CFFC. She's got wins, you know, out grappling women. Her her one and only loss to Elise Reed. Let's be real, that wasn't a loss. She probably should have won all three rounds of that fight. And she knows how to pressure. She knows how to, you know, get in close. And she gets into the clinch. She has some nice body lock takedowns, some nice trip takedowns. And right off the bat, I was seeing an advantage in the, the strength department and the clinch takedowns. Because if you remember Kay Hansen's debut against Jinyu Fry, she really struggled taking Fry down 
and Fry is a muscular 115 pound woman. And she was able to really, you know, stuff all of Hanson's takedowns early on just due to strength, really. And I think Hanson just doesn't really have that great wrestling to go along with her jujitsu. And I probably would give Hansen the striking advantage here. I probably would say that Hansen has the better open space takedowns of the two. But if this fight gets into the clinch, if they you know grind against the cage, I think that's going to favor the bigger, stronger, more natural flyweight in uh, Jasmine Jazdavidia. So I'm liking what I see from Jasmine. Uh, I think that this is going to be a back and forth grappling fight. You know, Kay Hansen probably should have won her last fight against Corey McKenna, but she just let McKenna explode and reverse at very key times of the fight. You know how key the last 60 to 90 seconds of a round are and Hanson let that those rounds slip through her fingers and that was a, a weak little Irish girl uh in in uh McKenna at 115 and she's facing you know a big strong uh taller Canadian woman here in Jazz Davidius and I like JJ here for a bet right off the bat I got one unit on her at plus 205 odds I just think plus 200 is crazy for what should be a competitive back and forth grappling fight so I like JJ to get the win straight up uh yeah so i actually had got crossed up i thought this was uh maybe a demopolis fight so i was surprised when i heard the fight weight but uh but yeah man i i i'd uh tend to agree i'd lean towards agreeing um you know just looking at the fight and both what these girls both bring in i think k's uh wrestling is a little bit better than you're giving her credit for she's fought pretty good competition is able to uh, shoot multiple takedowns around if uh if her opponent gets back up to her feet so she I, i've seen her just look pretty good in the second and third rounds her conditioning looks good she has uh, multiple third round finishes and on the feet she is a willing striker uh i'm not i wouldn't say it's very technical it's very technical very technically sound but she'll stay in the pocket she'll throw back counters um and i thought i, I think this is a much closer probably a closer fight than these odds indicate um, you know, Jasmine did show that she slowed down in the second and third round of her contender series fight uh, after having a pretty dominant first round. So, and we haven't really seen her too much on her back. Uh, you know, Elise Reed did have her down for good stretches, but in the clinch, she does have some good clinch knees. She has some good elbows, some you know, some good Muay Thai in there, and she's not clueless on the ground. So, I think it's a pretty interesting fight. Overall, I think at plus two hundred, you know, I, I definitely would lean towards uh towards Jasmine. I would say, and uh, and yeah, we'll see we'll see who dictates the pace though, and where this, the fight takes place because I could see it going a, a, a lot of different areas, and then that could uh, bring some high variance in where you know Kay could hit one of those submissions that uh, she's very well known for. Yeah, I think if you're trying to play Hanson here, I'd rather take plus 450 on the sub than minus 235 money line. So uh, we'll see if Hanson has any improvement. This is a hometown fight for Kay. She's from very, very close by to Anaheim. Interesting. I didn't know that. Uh, let's see if she shows any improvements off the 15-month layoff. But that's going to move us to the next fight in the lightweight division. We have um, Matt Frivola, minus 193. Geraldo uh, Valdez, plus 168. Um it's not Geraldo, it's Gennaro, excuse me. Uh, sorry, Mr. Valdez, I know you're an avid listener. But um, another Contender Series guy making his debut here. You can start this one off, Ozzy. Uh, yeah, so you got uh, Frivola, a past Contender Series guy, I think from the first season. Coming off that bad knockout loss, I, I just thought it was a just super bad game planning. And just to make yourself available uh, to get knocked out in that fashion, just pretty, with knowing who Terrence McKinney is, just pretty bad. But overall... Uh, 
Frivola's pretty well-rounded. He comes from that Sarah Longo camp. I think he's a purple belt, maybe getting close to a brown belt level uh, jiu-jitsu-wise. Um, has competed in the gi before. Just competes in grappling before. Um, and But his bread and, bread and butter is his uh, stand-up and his kickboxing. He's a pretty good striker. Uh, not the most accurate overall, but throws good shots. Uh, keeps his stance well. Moves his head a little bit when he is chucking these overhands and, and throwing in the pocket. Uh, and and he's got really good conditioning. So I think it's going to be an interesting fight against here against Valdez. Valdez has not really encountered someone, I'd say, as well-rounded as Matt Frivola. The contender series fight, it was very h- hilarious. But, you know, he was just made himself available to be hit quite often. So I do see these guys connecting on each other pretty uh, often. Um, I, I'm interested to see how the wrestling holds up on both sides because Valdez does chase the tank down in some points, and Frivola has shown pretty to be pretty competent on the ground, both offensively and defensively. So I think he's the rightful favorite here. Um, I don't know if I'm going to get involved. You know, the line is going in the way of Matt Frivola, but maybe look towards uh, maybe some uh, some props on the Frivola side because I do think. Uh, I think people are leaning towards this to get a finish because both guys are so offensively, you know, uh, centric, but both of them are pretty tough. I would also give them credit for. So I think this is going to be a, a good fight to watch for sure. So I lean to- towards uh, Frivola though. Yeah, I think the odds are about right, and it should be, you know, a high-intensity fight. Probably ends in finish at some point. Um, I mean, Valdez, I, I thought, is extremely sloppy. A lot of his pre-contender series wins, um, he's just out-grappling really bad grapplers. Like, these guys down in uh, whatever promotion that is, um, and he just gets an easy takedown right away. They give up their backs and rear naked choke. That's how he got to the contender series. Then he was fighting uh, White on the contender series. And, you know, his takedowns weren't coming as easy. He was getting tagged with punches on the feet. And he just showed, you know, his real skill set in that contender series fight. Now, he did pull off a pretty miraculous comeback there. He looked like he was about to get knocked out. And then he knocked White out. So that was a nice comeback there. But the guy's striking is just very wild and volatile. And, you know, Frivola is probably going to, you know, play into that as well. He also gets a bit wild, but, you know, previously, I think he's, he was pretty durable up until that McKinney knockout. I mean, he had been knocked out by Polio Reyes, but like I've seen the guy take some shots before. So it was pretty surprising to see him get knocked out so quickly by McKinney. Um, and Frivola should be the much more experienced, uh, overall grappler you know i could see him maybe being in some subs at some point here but he's comfortable defending those he's obviously coming from that wrestling background i just think he's the more well-rounded uh grappler um shouldn't be phased by these takedown attempts of valdez and uh, i think that he's probably gonna have a rough first round a close first round but then valdez is going to start to slow frivola should take over with his experience uh and probably his top game in these later rounds so it seems like a question of whether uh, frivola is going to get a, a round two three finish or maybe it'll go to decision um i think this fight and you know it's pretty accurately lined all around so uh you know i'll probably go with like a frivola round three finish as my pick that's going to take us to one of the most anticipated fights on the card in the women's strawweight division. We have Vanessa Demopoulos as the, let's see, minus 135 favorite. Silvana Gomez-Juarez plus 115 dog. So this fight was supposed to happen last week. I don't think we analyzed this one on the podcast last week. I think it got canceled like right before we recorded, thankfully. Um, so, you know, this is a, as low level as it gets, really. Uh, both these women came into the UFC on short notice. They didn't really completely earn their way there. Um, Juarez got quickly submitted by... Uh, 
Ozzy's girl, Lupi Godinez. Demopoulos had a rough 15-minute beating versus J.J. Aldrich. So both of them took L's in their first fight, and now they're getting someone around their own skill level. Um, so striking, I give the advantage to Juarez. Um, she does you know, throw a calf kick. She does have some decent offense. It seems like she knows the technique on how to throw strikes. She just doesn't really put it together all that well. But I did see her you know, go to the leg kick very often in some of her fights, and that could be a problem here for Demopoulos. Demopoulos is striking is is you know pretty ugly and doesn't really have much process but she can take a beating you know Lupi Godina has beat up on her for five minutes or for five rounds and uh Demopoulos stayed in there stayed tough the entire time one judge somehow scored that fight a draw not sure how that really happened um but uh, Demopoulos should be the better grappler here. She should see that, you know, Lupi went for the takedown versus Juarez, was able to outgrapple her quite easily. But uh, Demopoulos is, isn't even the quality grappler that uh, Lupi is. So um, I'm leaning towards Demopoulos because I think that Juarez's grappling should be enough of a, a huge red flag that Demopoulos has a game plan. Uh, I think that she should, you know, go to the, the clinch, go to those body lock takedowns and look to get her top game going. But hard to be confident in either either side here. Although I did see a line that uh, I'm liking for this one. Um, it's only plus 450 now, but um, I saw Demopolis sub in, in the plus 600 range. I thought that would be a good uh, stab, but it's only plus 450 now on some other books. So I've, I've talked enough about this one. All right, my turn to come in here. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, this fight right here, I put in the same bucket that I put the... Uh, the Hannah Goldie versus Emily Whitmire fight. I see a minus number next to Vanessa Demopoulos and I fade it. Okay, that's it. That's all you need to know. Um, but overall, I just think, yeah, she's super tough. But and and she does, I mean, I guess she could connect. She has knocked out like one or two girls before. But on the on the ground, I just don't think she's very tight. I mean, <laughs> uh, if you know what I mean. Um, but she she's just super loose. Um, I think Silvana, even though she got blown through by uh, Lupi, this girl can, does not have the wrestling anywhere uh, near uh, Lupi. I think on the feet, she throws some kicks. So I think that might be the way that she gets taken down. But just like I said, she's plus 115. This fight should be no worse than a pick em. Uh I think that she can land a jab on uh, Vanessa. Vanessa will go for broke, so the fight could get hairy. Like you said, there, there could be a submission that comes out from some crazy uh, scramble. But let me just tell you guys that might not look into tape and all. Like, if you look at Vanessa, uh, Vanessa's fight against that girl, Corey McKenna, uh, you know, in like the third round when Vanessa needs to win the fight, she comes out and does like a cartwheel. And like, not Falls even like a cartwheel kick, kick, like just like a cartwheel. And the reason this is relevant is because Vanessa Demopoulos, before she was an MMA fighter, she's a she was or still is a stripper. She literally has a like manifesto book like on how to become a stripper, like be a better stripper, some of that stuff. So if you guys are you know trying to get that for your girl, maybe that'd be a good uh, Valentine's Day gift. Uh, you know, spend some of her OnlyFans money on that. It's like professional development. But yeah, I'll pick Silvana. I think she'll outstrike this girl. Um, and but I know someone that. I respect that is paid juice on Vanessa, which I think is crazy. So yeah, I'll be on the Silvana side. Yeah, probably a fight that just too low level to bet though. Have you seen no, the goes the no, distance no, here? Never. Minus one seventy. I'm goes not laying distance. any minus, dude. I'm not laying any minuses on these fights. Not, because these are the fights where, you know, for you as heavyweight overs, but you know, anytime you lay these this juice and like there's a finish, you feel so bad about yourself. No man, just take the plus money on Juarez and move on.
All right, you hear you heard it here. Ozzy Max Bet on Silva Silvana Gomez Juarez. All right, that's gonna move us to the bantamweight division. We got another guy coming off the contender series, Tony Gravely as the minus two forty favorite. Simon Oliveira plus two oh five. Start this one off, Ozzy. Yeah, you know, Oliveira's you see these guys just come up. He's just a weasel, man. These Brazilian weasel guys that they'll get taken down. They 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 they'll walk forward. They do the you know the the Muay Thai like you know stepping up their knees to their elbows. It's just like a very classic kind of guy and fighter. Um, this guy, I think he's pretty physically weak. So I think Tony Gravely, as soon as he gets his hands on him, is gonna start tossing him around. Uh, he broke Nate Manis's uh, jaw the last time that the, in his last fight, but then ended up getting knocked out in the second round. But this guy is pretty active overall. Um, I think people are questioning his conditioning a lot, which I don't think is a problem at all. Um, and on the feet, he's got power. He's active. Uh, he's been improving his uh, jujitsu game. And I don't think that uh, this Oliveira guy is like all all his wins are like by guillotine choke. And I don't think he's catching uh, a guy of Tony Gravely's level in, in, a, in a guillotine front choke, any of those things. So I think Tony Gravely is going to wear this guy out, start dropping some elbows on him. Maybe, you know, like a, a back mount, ground and pound stoppage or something like that. But Gravely is a deserved favorite. He's at like 70 percent here, uh, which is. You know, I don't love all that much, but I think that he's going to be able to to potentially break this Oliveira guy. I don't like Oliveira's game at all. Not the real Oliveira, this Oliveira's, but uh, but yes, I'll lean gravely. Yeah, I'm not impressed with what I've seen from Oliveira. Um, the guy is basically like he's either going to guillotine you in round one or probably lose by decision. Um, and so if you if you like Oliveira in any extent in this fight, Oliveira by sub in round one plus 1,100, I think that's probably the only way he wins this fight because gravely much more experienced, been in the UFC for a while now, um, probably or definitely the better striker. He's got a, a good wrestling pedigree, and all he really has to do is avoid um, that. That, that guillotine so if he can you know strike for round one and not shoot a takedown he should be really golden to just coast to a uh, probably a decision victory here maybe even finding a finish late on later on here because uh, after that one guillotine attempt from Oliveira, the dude is really bad off his back. If you watched um, his loss uh, against a guy named Farias, uh, extremely bloody fight, but um, Farias got like close to 13 minutes of top time in that fight. Um, and Oliver just got taken down, laid on his back for long stretches, not really able to get up off of his back. So the guy is guillotine or bust his striking, uh, you know, pretty much non-existent. I mean, he did have a little bit of striking success against all day there, but probably deserved to lose that contender series fight. Not really even sure why they signed this guy off of that kind of underwhelming split decision win. Um, but the contender series is just signing everybody nowadays. But so um, I think gravely is kind of, is a bit of a bit of an idiot enough to where you should be a bit concerned about that guillotine in round one. I could see him just diving right into that guillotine um, and getting finished because the guy, you know, likes to make fights close uh the geraldo de Freitas fight was close he obviously lost the maness fight in uh you know comeback fashion so i'm not i'm not confident in gravely enough to endorse him minus 240 here so i'd say it's a Oliveira sub round one or pass maybe looked a lot that gravely that's going to bring us to the fifth fight on the card in the welterweight division we have uh some more debutants we got jack della madalena minus 335 pete rodriguez plus 275 so madalena 
probably one of the most exciting guys coming off the contender series last season. Just has a really exciting uh, style. Uh, I mean, the guy can box extremely well, digs to the body, nasty combination punches, also has some solid kicks of his own. Um, the only real weaknesses we've seen from him is sometimes he's a slow starter. Uh, he has been rocked a bit regionally, and he did get taken down and put in a, a deep arm triangle attempt in that Lusa fight. He was able to defend and get right back to winning the round. You know, he didn't even lose the round despite being in that deep arm bar or a uh, deep arm triangle. So I'm really excited to see where Madalena goes. He was supposed to fight uh, Warley Alves, I believe. And I think he was like minus 200 over Alves too. So you can see that people are really high on Madalena. Uh, this Rodriguez fella, um, not coming off the contender series, only has four fights and, you know, has knocked out pretty much all four of his opponents. The guy does look like he has some fast hands. Um, the guy seems like he has a pretty good understanding of boxing. Uh, I think he's a southpaw as well. Um, and uh, I just... I just don't think the guy's fought anybody nearly good enough to think that he's going to have a chance here against Madeleine. I mean, the, the experience between these two guys is just huge. Um, and Rodriguez seems like knockout round one or bust. I don't see how he's going to win this fight late. I think the later it goes, Madeleine is just going to take over. Um, and, you know, Madeleine is probably going to get a finish in rounds two or three here. I mean, the guy is just a nasty body puncher. He knows how to build on a fight. And um, I think that that's probably what's going to happen here. Um, a knockout in round two or three. Rodriguez knockout round one is 10 to one. So that's the way to play him if you like him at all. Uh, you excited for this fight at all, Ozzy? Yeah, it's a freaking sick fight. I mean, these guys are going to fucking bang. This Pete Rodriguez guy is classic, like, L.A., uh, Arizona dude. Like, he's just coming to bang, man. This guy's coming to eat tacos, eat, eat burritos, and fucking bang. And Jack Della, <laughs> my boy Della, he's going he's gonna to oblige. Um, I mean, this dude, he's he's okay, but people are just ridiculously hyped. The only people not hyping up Della... Are literally his own people because Australians hate other Australians, man. Any of these guys I ever talked to or mentioned in the MMA space, man, they hate every Australian fighter. But Della, <laughs> he's okay, you know. I mean, the thing is, he is is easy to hit him though, like because he he just is like, all right, I'm standing in the pocket. Like I like the angles that his shots come in at; they're pretty tight. But his chin is there to be hit, so I think these guys are gonna bang. I got some under here at uh at like the minus one fifteen, one seventeen, one twenty price is going out there a little bit now. But I think one of these guys gets knocked out. I. I would favor it to be obviously Rodriguez to not get knocked out, but you never know. But I do think Jack Della is able to keep that left hand long, throw some kicks out at this guy. Even maybe he could take him down, but I think uh, Jack's gonna Jack's gonna butcher this guy up as long as he doesn't get hit with like a counter hook. And um, but he's coming to bang, man. This guy looks I don't know. He looks kind of scary. Uh, he's game, yeah. He's but I have no up. idea who this guy is. I've never heard of him, and uh, but I think he's getting knocked out. For sure. Do we know what what uh you know Hispanic uh, country he's from? Because if he's from the DR, you might have to you know he's change the pick. Definitely not up. from the DR, bro. I would know. All right. I just told you For I sure. don't know who this guy is. Think I'd not know who. He uh, was. What do you what do you think What do you think about this? I mean, now what? typically knockout props in in this range are no good, but Madalena knockout minus one twenty. I hit you the think? under, dude. You hit the under. I That's, hit the under. Under one and a half. Yeah. They're coming to bang, dude. They're coming to bang. This guy, Pete Rodriguez, like I said, he's there's gonna be a lot of Pete Rodriguez is in that uh in what's it called? Honda Arena, Honda Center, I don't know what it's called. And he's coming to bang, dude. So I mean if you want to play Jack KO, by all means, I guess do it. But I like the should, should hit, yep. 
All right, that's going to move us along to another fight in the welterweight division. We got, um, once again, another contender series guy uh, making his yes, UFC debut. Michael, Mor- yes. Michael Morales, yes. minus 115. Officer Trevin yes. Giles, minus 105. Yes. What are you thinking here? Yes. All right. So I've seen a lot of love for Trevin Giles this week. You know, I've I, I've loved, I've liked uh, betting on Trevin Giles fights. I've got I've gotten a bunch of them right. I got that uh, Duplessis <laughs> fight right uh, last time that it was that pickup. And here, similar price. Giles going down to one one seventy. I mean, it's a move that I think he's made because like that uh, Holman Roman Roman buys fight. You know, went was a little difficult. He was getting clinched. You know, even though he won that fight, and then Duplessis was able to to get him out of there, grapple him up a little bit. But this Michael Morales dude, I think people are. I don't know what why people are hating on him that much. Like this guy's twenty two. He's got twelve wins. Like yeah, it could be against like some bad level guys. But that means he was fighting these guys at like eighteen years old, um, which I, I think is pretty impressive. He gets he's getting a lot of these uh, finishes. I think his grappling is a little bit better than uh, people are giving him credit for. On the feet, you know, he'll throw counters. He's not that active. But Trevin Giles, he's just like hopscotch. Like he's like double dutch. Like he's like in and out, in and out. But he doesn't throw his jab that like you know like a guy like Santiago Pozzanivio, uh, right? He has a good jab, but he uses it. A lot like Giles has a good job, but he doesn't use it very much. Uh, he doesn't uncork the right hand very often. And if you're not scared of him, you know, I think that you can you could clinch this guy, you could get inside on him. And I don't think the dip to 170 is necessarily going to be that helpful to him. I think that Morales is the better grappler here. Um, and I think he's going to be able to get that going here at some point. Now, I know he is unproven, hasn't been to that many decisions, but he looked good to me in that contender, contender series fight. And uh, now that the line is coming in in his direction, I'm going to pick Morales. I think that he'll be able to grapple Giles. I think that Giles' inactivity will cost him here. I think that Morales could throw some good counters on the feet, but uh, but yeah, he needs to to, to watch out for the when Trevin do, does uncork some of these shots. But I think uh, I see uh, Morales getting takedowns here. I think the gas tank of Giles has never been all that great, and I don't know. First time ever doing a weight cut. I don't know if it's gonna work out that well. Um, even though he does look a, a lot slimmer, but yeah, I, I'm gonna pick Morales here to uh, to get the win, and I think that will be contrarian from a lot of folks uh, this week. Yeah, I think this will be the first time we like kind of firmly disagree on a fight in 2022. Um, I like Giles here, um, Officer Giles. That is, uh, I think that you know. As you just mentioned, he has been slimming down, getting a lot leaner. I don't think this weight cut's going to be too big of a deal for him. And I think it's going to be a good thing because the dude just is clearly not one of the athletes that can compete at 185. Um, you know, he's lost fights in pretty embarrassing fashion, like to Zach Cummings um, by getting dropped and submitted there. Um, so I just don't think that he's going to really compete with 185. So it's a good move going down to 170 here. And, you know, Morales is, you know, I'll give him credit. The dude is very patient. A lot of these contender series guys we're talking about on this card, um, like um, Oliveira and Valdez, they're kind of spazzes, you know, as Ozzy called them, weasels. Um, you know, you do have Morales, who is a very patient guy. You know, his his pre-UFC fights, I watched like three or four of them, and this guy is like basically throwing nothing, just like looking for the shots, and then he lands like one punch, and his opponents curl up, and you know the fight's over. So he did have you know some weak strength to schedule, but he really showed up in his contender series fight, definitely the best showing of his career. And like when the guy was 
aggressive when he was throwing volume like that he was being very effective he was out striking veritnikov um he took veritnikov down a few times um didn't show me anything crazy on top position but you know he did show a new wrinkle to his game there um so definitely his best performance uh to date but i think you got to be concerned about that in the the betting lines i think you got to look at his entire career and say that that performance you know might not be the the same rouse we're going to see in every fight um so i don't exactly have a you know a super confident read on how Giles is going to win this fight I just trust him to you know I trust his experience he's obviously the much more experienced guy I think that he's a solid enough striker um, he's got a good jab solid boxing fundamentals um, he's pretty good at defending takedowns you know the the um, as Ozzy said, the uh, Roman Vismos fight, you know, he did do a pretty good job defending those takedowns, avoiding bottom position, ended up on top at key times in that fight. Um, and I think that I'm not impressed enough with Morales' takedowns to think that he's going to put Giles on bottom here for long periods of time. And I just trust Giles to make this real close in the feet. So I think I would give, you know, Giles a slight favorite in this line. He should probably be, you know, you know, around minus 120 here, but uh, I'm not completely writing Morales off. I think the guy does have a good foundation. He is extremely young, seems like a solid athlete. So uh, I like uh, Giles here for a one unit bed, got him at like plus 115 last night. And uh, it seems like it's already moving in the other direction. So um, we're on the right track and that's going to be enough of that fight. Uh, moving on to the next fight in the pre or excuse me, in the, uh, Bantamweight division, we got Hayoni Barcelos minus 515, Victor Henry plus 390. Um, I think this is probably a bit wide, just considering that, that Henry does look game. He does uh, come forward and throw a lot of strikes. He kind of has like that Tony Ferguson uh, style where he's marching forward, you know, mixing up the kicks, knees, punches well, and just, you know, constantly pressuring his opponents. And Barcelos is known at times for not being the highest uh, volume striker. Um, Timur Valiev was able to win rounds and obviously win that decision in in kind of incorrect fashion, in my opinion, uh, by just, you know, pumping volume out, throwing a lot of kicks and just giving Barcelos a lot of looks. Barcelos, um, you know, just isn't comfortable in that high pace fight. Um, but I do think that Barcelos should have a pretty big grappling advantage here. I haven't seen two good things from uh, Henry in, in terms of his defensive grappling, his takedown defense. Once he gets on bottom, uh, he can't get stuck on bottom for long periods of time. So I think that um, the striking has potential to be really close here. I would still give Barcelos a slight advantage, but the real big advantage for uh, Barcelos here is going to be in the grappling. So I think Barcelos at like, I don't know, minus 300, 350 would be a little more accurate. So the, the value probably is on the dog, uh, Henry, here. Um, this fight was supposed to happen like a month ago, and it got pushed back. So this should be a real fun fight. Uh, Henry not coming off the Contender Series, but he did get signed. So he seems like a pretty entertaining guy. Yeah, so <clears throat> I think very interesting fight. I'm glad that it's taking place uh, finally now in the new year. Um, You know, I like Victor Henry. Uh, this guy's never been finished in his career is pretty solid overall has fought you know even though you if you don't want to say the toughest competition as tough as you could essentially get being outside in the ufc and especially on the asian scene uh he's got a win over kyler phillips which uh kind of you know he took took his best licks early on and then started rallying late so this guy has pretty good conditioning pretty decent work rate overall his wrestling it's a, his grappling is a little unconventional he comes from that uh pan, uh not pancreas catch wrestling style uh he, he's a, a josh barnett guy so he's from like that northwest i think area 
um or, or, or trains there but but yeah never been finished these guys are the same age um this is not a this fight should not be four to one on the in the favor of uh, Barcelos. You know that should be reserved for guys with not too much experience. Victor Henry has almost you know, what twenty six fights, has a bunch of finishes, but has only lost by decision, like you said. So I'm gonna make I'm gonna tell you now the my best bet or like a bet that I'll give. You know I think I would have ended up giving out. You know, a plus money underdog, but uh, to to make it like a more reasonable play, I like the over here, the over two and a half, or the goes the distance here. I, I don't, I think these guys scrap uh for for a bit. Barcelos, his takedowns are not the like he has good takedowns, but I don't think he's uh he's he's the best at landing in the most favorable positions to then produce a finish. Um, and I think it's gonna be harder for him to, you know, get in there and finish uh takedowns early on or quickly on uh Victor Henry. So I I see these guys going back and forth a bit and. And I do like the Henry side money line value play over two and a half or goes a distance uh, like that a lot, though. Yeah, the, looking at the props of this one, they have Barcelos knockout plus 200 and then sub plus 460. Those should probably be flipped, honestly. So I don't mind a small pop on uh, Barcelos sub plus 460. Take the over. Um that's going to move us to the last prelim. Definitely the best fight on the prelims. Really looking forward to this one. Uh, we have in the featherweight division, Ilya Taporia as the big favorite. Let me, I'm looking for the line here. Um, minus 650, Charles Jordan plus 425. Uh, it's your turn to start this one off. What are you thinking about this late, late replacement flight? I love this fight, 145, right in my wheelhouse. Um, Taporia. A lot of hype behind them. I think three wins in the UFC, if I'm if I'm correct, right? Two finishes yep. over uh, Hall and Damon Jackson, and a fit and a win by decision over Zalal. I just think this is a much more difficult fight, like a, just like this last Victor Henry one. I think a lot of disrespect on the Jordan side. Um, Taporia, you know, he comes forward, he he mixes up his attack in terms of boxing to the head and to the body. So those body shots that he landed on Jackson, but he has not fought any guy who really brings the the pace is, is the guy that comes forward and uh, is, is a well-versed uh, striker like Charles Jordan is. I was on him in his last fight against Iwo. He, and he completely destroyed him, but I think this, the, the, the price here is uh, indicative or kind of leaning into him getting caught in that darts by Arosa, and then that period of time that he was on his back against Andre. But I, th I, th I don't think these those two are that. I mean, people will see that he got caught in that darts choke, and then see that Toporia he goes for guillotines, anacondas, darts himself, and they're I think they're feeling that he's going to take him down and, and finish him with one of those chokes. But I don't see it. I don't think that's happening. Uh, not that I don't see it, but I don't think that it's happening at this clip. I think uh, Jordan, he's got that big cage to work with, which I think is going to be a big benefit to him. He moves his feet pretty well. He uses his kicks pretty well. His uh, left hand is very dangerous. He drops a lot of guys, right? He's dropped almost every guy that he's fought in the UFC. And why why is this, you know, why is this fight going to be different? I think this guy's super uh, well round, uh, not super well-rounded but he's aware in every aspect of the fight he's got a tons of experience has gone the distance multiple times in the ufc um and yeah i, I just think that he he's a great bet here at this plus number maybe if you want to sprinkle that over if you want to lean into uh Taporia, maybe having to chase these takedowns but i don't think this guy uh Taporia is going to walk jordan down easily 
But I, I could be wrong. I didn't think he was going to do it to Damon Jackson either, and he got destroyed. But uh, I think this is super disrespectful to Jordan, and I think that he is alive here to pull off an upset potentially, especially later on when Taporia's, you know, rushing these takedowns a bit. Uh, Jordan has shown some get-up game as well. And I'm telling you, his, his grappling game is not as bad as people think it is. So I think he, he's live here for, the, for, uh, for a finish of Taporia or just a straight-up money line win. So... Uh, you know where I'll be, where my money will be on. Yeah, I, I definitely agree that Topori is getting a bit overvalued here. I think the market and, you know, he's getting a big push from the fans, the market. And I think, you know, over 86% here is getting a bit crazy. I mean, Jordan obviously coming off that last fight, he obviously saw something in this matchup and decided to accept it on short notice. So I definitely think he'll fight for your money here at plus 425, plus 450. That does seem worth like a small bet. And, you know, the striking, I think both these guys have uh, striking tools that are going to give each other weaknesses like um, uh, Julian Arosa was ripping to the body really well of Jordan. Uh, Taporia loves ripping to the body. So that could be a big factor. Also, Taporia was um, he did get rocked by a head kick in the regionals. Uh, Zalal was hitting them with some head kicks and Jordan a really fast head kick. So I think that both these guys have like striking tools to give each other problems. But I mean, when they're striking with one another, there is no way that it's going to be looking minus 650. I mean, maybe you can give a slight edge to Puria because he, you know, he's just relentless with his, his, his punches. Um, but the more diverse striker has got to be Tr Charles Jordan here. He has good power of his own. And uh, he has been dropped a few times himself, but he's hard to finish. He rallies back from getting dropped at times. And, you know, he's not going to go away lightly here. The only way that Taporia is looking minus 600 is just repeated takedowns in top position. And, you know, Taporia's uh, wrestling is pretty solid. He's really good from that front headlock, like Ozzy was saying. He goes to the guillotine, the arming guillotine, the Dars, the anaconda. Um, and we did see, you know, Jordan get tapped out with that. That uh, was it? A, yeah, it was a Dars by... Um, Julian Arosa, but Julian just snatched that, you know, not, I wouldn't say out of nowhere, but, you know, it was uh, a very unique position that he snatched that choke from and just cinched it up within 10 seconds. In the seconds. third the round, fight is at 150, that was a late, late uh, fight change at 150. Julian Arosa looked huge in that fight. And, uh, and like you said, it was a third round finish. So do we think that Taporia is chasing that finish like that in the round three? I don't really think so, man. Yeah, the one time that we've seen, I think, is that the one time in Taporia's career we've seen him in, in the third round? Yeah, was versus Zalaw. All of his other fights ended early in round one. The only time we've seen him late was Zalaw. That was a short notice fight. I, I think he only had a few weeks to prepare, so he does get a little bit of slack there. Um, but he did look a little slow in that that last round versus Zalaw. And he also had Zalaw in a ton of guillotines. He had him in an army guillotine, a mounted guillotine, uh, an anaconda, and Zalaw was able to survive all of them. And I don't think Zalal is, you know, that great of a grappler. So um, it's interesting to, to see if uh, what's going to happen with the, after these takedowns. Is Tapori going to be able to cinch up one of those chokes? Will Jordan be able to fight his way out? But I, I mean, I think that 650 is just way out of line here for uh, for Jordan. I mean, uh, for Taporia, I think he's just getting a, way too much love uh, in the lines here. Uh, I mean, his submission line is literally favored on bet online minus 115. I mean, that's extremely rare to see a sub line as a favorite. Um, so uh, Jordan knockout is plus a thousand on some books. So, you know, don't sleep on Jordan here. This should be a really fun fight. Even though it's 10, 10 to one. Are you crazy? 
Uh, yeah, that's 10 to 1 on DraftKings and FanDuel for uh, his knockout. And like Ozzy was saying, the dude has, he he dropped Rosa, dropped Rosa, uh, Rojo twice, dropped Feely once, dropped Duhu Choi twice. Coolie I mean, Bao, the dude is getting Coolie knockdowns. Didn't he, he has, drop, didn't he drop Cooley Bow? No, no, no. Cooley Bow dropped him, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, that's enough of that. We're moving on to the main card. Um, we had the first fight in the middleweight division. We got Brazilian versus Brazilian action here. Um, we got Hadolfo Vieira, minus 205. Wellington Terman, plus 175. I know you always like watching Vieira compete. Probably one of the highest jujitsu credentialed guys to ever fight in the UFC. So, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, Hadolfo is amazing, man. Like, in, in grappling-wise... You know, one of the, probably the 10 best guys ever uh, come into the MMA game and uh, was able to a little bit translate it to Nogi as well. I, th I th do think he won an ADCC um, and, you know, he's had his ups and downs. And but in his last fight, I, I did think that he made some improvements, obviously. Right. He was much more calm in that fight. Landed the jab at will, landed some pretty good shots uh, to, to um, Dustin's uh, face and was able to take some shots as well. You know, that's something that I like to see. And even though, you know, he has slowed down, maybe he slowed down a little bit in that fight, slowed down in a few, uh, fluffy Hernandez fight. He, this guy shoots takedowns, man. Like he will go like he will expend all of his gas, which is not great to do in this economy. Uh, but he'll do it, man. Like this guy will put a hole in, like he, he'll chase a takedown. So go for submissions. Um, and I don't know why the UFC keep, keeps making these, uh, Brazilian versus Brazilian fights, like, especially at 185. Like they're trying to extinguish any guys that have heard of jujitsu before they get up to, uh, to Izzy, I guess. But they're protecting Izzy. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what it is, man. I think I really like the only Brazilians they give Izzy are the ones that strike, but, uh, you know, to get more into the matchup here, I, you know, Terman's a guy I, I was a little bit lower on or early on, you know, I faded him against Hernandez, but here, you know, he does know some jujitsu. He did look, I don't know, like, I think he was trying to implement a game plan against Sam Alvey. It's just inherently very difficult, but, uh, but just looked bad in that fight. I mean, his cardio was fine. His chin is a little suspect, um, but I do think that he can give Vera a fight. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, maybe peel him up, uh, in the clinch off of takedowns that, uh, Hodolfo is shooting in, you know, I think he is a little bit stronger than a guy like Dustin. Uh, so, so maybe able to stay up on his feet a little bit more, but when it is on the feet, I just don't like his striking that much. He doesn't really have a history of coming forward and uh, throwing a lot of shots and, and, and really trying to get people out of there. Um, but I do lean towards him being a little bit of the value side. I know some action has come in his way. I am a little bit on this over as well. That has moved uh, as well. Um, I, I got that at like minus 120, 125, I believe. So I think that's a good uh, way to lean into this fight because I do think that Terman is not going to uh, get completely blown away on top or from bottom if he does get taken down. He trains with Glover Teixeira, who has a very similar jiu-jitsu game on top that uh, Hadolfo has, right? Very arm triangle uh mount focus right they're looking to to, to pin you down uh and then strangle you from there uh and advance you know positions there so he's been training as well with alex uh, Pereira so i do think that we can see some improvements from the tournament side so i like him uh, a little bit uh, a bit more especially at this money line price which i think will continue potentially to come in a little bit uh so i'll i'll just pick him i guess like i just i wouldn't i wouldn't bet uh the year at this uh price um just does not have enough experience. Um, you know, Terman has like double the fights of his. So I'll, I'll, I'll go with a value play on Terman and, uh, and hit that over as well. I'm not really seeing, you know, much 
much value on Terman here. I think the line is, you know, pretty accurate. Maybe even Vieira could be a bigger dog, or I mean, a bigger favorite, um, because you know, Terman, you know, was having trouble out grappling Carl Roberson. Let's be, let's get that straight. I mean, he was stuck on bottom for multiple minutes on versus Roberson. He got a takedown on Roberson, went for a back take. He lost it. So if you can't even out grapple Carl Roberson, I don't think he's going to be getting any meaningful, uh, you know, out grappling time uh, versus Vieira here. So if Terman's going to win the fight, he's going to have to do it with striking. He's going to have to do it with his cardio. And, you know, just looking at their striking, uh, I was watching their recent fights, and even though Vieira is quite basic, you know, all he's doing is throwing a jab, maybe a one-two, he's high guard, and he's not really doing much, he he knows his limits, right? He knows what his bread and butter is, is that jab was working really well against uh, Stoltzfus, so, you know, busting them up, and, you know, he had some good power behind that jab. I mean, the dude is extremely muscular, uh, he was, you know, busting up the face of Stoltzfus early in that fight, and, you know, he continued that up until, like, the, the seven or eight minute mark, he was just consistently jabbing them and it, I think that's a, you know a very methodical approach from him because he knows he has gas problems he knows he can't wrestle for the full 15 minutes so he's developed this jab as can you know a, a tool to slow the fight down and meanwhile Terman's striking I just feel like the guy doesn't really know what his like his best strikes are he doesn't have any consistent offense he doesn't have a combination of strike that he can go do he just kind of spams all these different strikes and you know see what sticks to the wall and I don't really think any of it is that good so I mean I think the striking is going to be really close between these guys uh I think Terman will probably throwing more volume but Vieira should just be popping that jab in his face and uh Terman you know has gotten knocked out a few times in the past year, year and a half. So his durability is a big question. Um, and I just, most of Terman's approach is, is going for takedowns. You know, he took down Perez. He was attempting takedowns on Alvi. He got some initial takedowns on Silva. I just don't think he's going to be able to go to that a game of his here against Vieira. Who's the better grappler. And I think that, I think Vieira is going to probably get out to an early lead here. If Terman wins this fight, I think it's going to be in comeback fashion. So you're probably going to have a better chance to live bet Terman at like three or four to one odds. I actually saw Terman around three slash decision is plus 450. That seems like a good way to play him because I think Vieira uh, will be tough to finish early on here. I mean, even when Hernandez was bombing away on him, he didn't go away very easily in that fight. It took like an onslaught of, of strikes and subs to finally get him out of there. And I just don't see Terman having that same uh, tenacity to get a finish. So um, I think the line's about right here. Uh, maybe term, uh, maybe Vieira could go as high as minus 250 in my official uh, cap and which is where he is still on some books. So not that, you know, crazy of a take, I'd say. So I, I like uh, Vieira here to get it done. Uh, I think we, we might actually see Vieira's first decision win here. Uh, I'll, I'll make a bold claim with that. Um, so hit that over. So that's gonna... Over two, one and a half, two, two and a half. Yeah, what is that? Oh, yeah, it's that one, one wow. and a half. One Minus and a half has been getting, been moving. Minus one forty five for over one and a half. Yeah, that I think that'll hit. Yeah, um, I mean, obviously the biggest threat to that is Vieira, uh, Vieira sub one. Um, what is uh goes the distance plus two hundred? Wow, that's interesting. And uh, yeah. Vieira decision plus four twenty. I like those. Um, that's gonna take us to the next fight. Probably one of my most anticipated fights in the card. Bantamweight division. We have Saeed Nurmagomedov as the favorite here minus 187 plus 162 in the comeback for Stamen. and you know right off the bat i'm taking the all-american wrestler here i mean saeed has this this 
weird offense where he just throws a bunch of bullshit out there. Honestly, I mean, he's flicking these jabs, flicking these kicks, throwing two spinning kicks, spinning strikes a minute. And I mean, it's just such a weird style of offense. I mean, it's not really effective at this high level and we've seen him get taken down from it before. We saw Barcelos time those, those kicks. He was just waiting, waiting. And then Saeed throws a spinning back kick literally every 30 seconds. And all Barcelos had to do was time it, take him down and, and, you know, was able to get some key takedowns and win in that fight. And I think Stamen's going to have the same exact approach. I mean, you know, Stamen is, you know, the stereotypical wrestle boxer. Uh, the guy maybe throws a few punches on the feet and looks to grapple. Not the most exciting fighter. I think he's like one of the, I think he has like some of the most decision wins uh, with no finishes out of any male fighter in the UFC or some shit like that. Um, so I think you know what you're getting from Stamen here. Uh, he's going to be wrestling hard. Uh, I don't trust the the takedown defense of Nurmagomedov. Uh, and I just think even when it's on the feet, Saeed's offense is so like knockout reliant and big strike reliant. He doesn't have that consistent tools that he can use. And I think even on the feet, Stamen could make it close with, you know, just winging hooks, winging overhands and just coming forward. So I like the all American wrestler. Got a bet on him already. 1.25 units at plus 180. And I also like his decision line at uh, it's plus 270, I believe. Yep, plus 270 for statement decision. Yeah, man. This dude, Saeed, man, I fucking hate this guy, man. For his debut fight, his debut <laughs> fight, man, it was against Scoggins. Dude, at the, at the time, this one of the biggest bets I ever made was on Justice Scoggins. It was, you know, I don't. This is what, like four years ago, so I don't know how much it was, but one of the biggest bets ever. And I was adding on this thing live. There was like plus money, like after round one, after round two, and then I thought it was. I mean, that was still, I think, one of the worst robberies I've seen. I mean, a lot of shit happened, but a hideous robbery. And, uh, you know, it, it hit my wallet hard, man. But <laughs> going into this fight, and I mean, you know, Saeed's been a guy who, you know, to give him credit, like he's, I guess, like outperformed. He's 3-1 in the UFC, right? You know, a lot of these people, you know, they'll be like 1-3. But, you know, won, won that fight against Ramos right after moving up to 135. The Barcelos, I mean, this guy's just spinning around all the time. Like, you know, his biggest strength, that, is also his biggest weakness. Um, you know, it worked out, I guess, against that Shrigo guy, um, which I, I liked Saeed to finish that fight because Shrigo just does not react well to punches. Um, and and he, he he's very uncomfortable when you have a guy like this inside. But I think Stamen is more of the mold of, uh, like Barcelos, like a guy who's has very good timing, moves directionally in the like the right ways, um, is able to capitalize on mistakes. Um, that's why Cody Saman's record is as good as it is, or was good, as good as it was when he came into UFC, because he's not a guy who makes a lot of mistakes. He's not a guy who, um, you know, is going to get blown out of the water by a lot of these guys. You know, that Marab fight. You know, I was on Stamen in that fight. I thought it was a much closer fight than on the rewatch too or just like when you first watched it i thought it was a pretty close fight overall i think you know marab was edging a few of the rounds but i thought round three could have you know maybe gone either way round one you know could have been a little bit closer so it's really hard to be guys like cody Saman. he has some karate background so i think he's used to these spinning techniques coming in his way he has a superior uh i think jujitsu game on top saeed tough guy you know another guy it's hard to look good against him but I just don't like anything about what he does. Like, and the fact that I could get plus 170 on a very reliable uh, fighter to, to take this guy on. And what I think, 
either way is probably a close-ish decision. I think Cody Stamen probably best, you know, one of the best bets on the card. And, uh, you know, he's on a two-fight losing streak as well. So um, I think we we got a good guy coming out here who's pretty active, has more experience as well. And this is a fantastic buy-low opportunity on uh, Cody Stamen. Yeah, well, it's just about to say same thing by low. And I mean, Saeed's probably definitely getting some of the Norma Gomedov, you know, rub with the name. Um, but the dude has no resemblance of of Khabib. Uh, they're not related. I mean, I think this is a great spot for Stamen as well. So just to give some anecdotal, uh, kinda... just some anecdotal, uh, just background stuff, too. Yes. Uh, Saeed has not been in the States, so he used to, you know, always do his camps with Mark Henry in Jersey. None of that this camp, um, even though I think he has been in America to finish the, the camp for like maybe the last like two, three months, but did not interact with or go over to Mark Henry's gym at all from what it looks like. Uh, and he's just been he's guys super inactive, man. There's no way he can be very sharp. one fight a year. There's yeah. no way he could be very sharp. And you need to be pretty sharp to beat a guy like cody Stamen, so get this line will go down for sure so he's he's got 50, 50 seconds of fight time in a little over two years tough, so tough to look good when you're doing that um we got in the welterweight division next fight uh last fight before our title fights we got a little bit of a late replacement here uh michelle Pereira as the minus 270 favorite andre filal plus 230 um give us your thoughts on uh filal's chances here uh you know, uh, so this is a, a switch up in opponents. I forget who Pereira was fighting first. Who was he fighting first? Uh, Muslim Salikov. Salikov. So another striker, uh, similar. You know, so so that that that's the same here. Um, but you know, Salikov more like you know kung fu, like unorthodox with the strikes is very good as well. Filao, he's like more of a, like a Muay Thai. I don't know, like kickboxer uh, guy. I, I kind of like his game overall. Um, you know, he's been catching some of these, excuse me, knockouts of late. Um, he, he's got a pretty good stance, like, when he's coming forward. Um, he does not move move defensively very well, but he is always ready to throw back, to throw uh, overall. So, you know, even, whether he counters all the time or not, you know, it comes down to his conditioning and his cardio where he wants to be in the fight. But I do think that Pereira, he's... Uh, I think this is the fate. This is the opportunity to get on the fade train uh, of this guy. So we got a guy in Fila making his debut, similar age. Um, I think uh, the jujitsu game, I think, is Fila's fine. I don't think he Pereira has a big edge there. In the wrestling, uh, Filo has been held down a few times, but I do think actually his offensive wrestling is not that bad, especially when his you know early on if like he's not tired, which is another thing. I think either of these guys could get the knockout early or late, um, especially Pereira if Andre uh, slows down, but even vice versa if this is like a grueling fight. Uh, Filo is he's got power. He trains with a good gym. I think he's got some of a ground game. So at this plus two thirty number. Michelle Pereira, unreliable guy. Like, this guy has got a bunch of losses on his record. Uh, you know, he's gone the distance a few times here in the UFC. But he, like, Nico Price is coming on onto him. And I don't see why Fila should be priced this much in, different than uh, Nico Price was. Because I think his striking is actually a bit tighter than Nico Price. Has similar power. And uh, ground game-wise, I don't think there's a big difference there. So, I like Filao here uh, to, to to potentially win this fight. And I think I don't think a lot of people will agree with that. 
Yeah, when I was taping Fila, I didn't exactly love what I was seeing from him. You know, some guys, um, when they pump out a lot of offense at him, he doesn't really have a good idea on how to defend or how to counter. He kind of just absorbs the offense, and then he doesn't really know what to do. You know, so he's not the, the most high-level striker, but the dude does have power. He's coming off of, I think, four knockouts within a calendar year. Um, just knocked out Stefan Sekulich with a, with a nasty elbow from the clinch. He was defending a takedown, and just one short elbow just knocked him out pretty much cold. Um, so the dude definitely has some power. He's very experienced. Um, as Ozzy mentioned, when he chooses to offensively grapple, he's not bad. Like he, he took down Chris Curtis a few times. Um, he, he can, you know, get a back take off of that. And I think that, uh, I just feel like he has the skills to make this fight close everywhere. And, you know, when it's in open space, Pereira should be, you know, the faster, more athletic guy, should be pumping out that volume in his face. He's probably not going to win at, at kicking range, but if Filao can get inside, if he can time a blitz of some sort and, you know, get a, a punch combination going, you know, he could test the chin of Pereira. Don't forget, before Pereira got to the UFC, the guy did have kind of a suspect chin, you know, just go to Dorbich, put him out. Um, and... He's coming off of back-to-back really close fights. You know, the Chaos Williams fight, that was a complete toss-up decision. I was on Pereira there, and I had no idea if he was going to win that decision or not. And then the Nico Price fight, he w- was getting, you know, bombed on in round three. You know, unanimously lost round three. And uh, you know, it's a bit of a nitpick, but I think round two really came down to that Pereira like backflip where he kicked Nico Price in the head. Um, you know, the referee kind of let him get away with an illegal strike there, and then Pereira mounted, and then the round was over. But before that moment, like Price was really building, and you know, if they fight ten times, I think that Price could honestly beat him three or four of those times. So um, I'm just not super impressed with Pereira to the point where I would recommend laying minus 270. He's just not a guy who covers minus 270. I mean, all his fights in the UFC. Dude, he, are you taking nev- Filao or not? What's up? Um, probably not. Probably <laughs> all not. Right. Um, what, I'm, what I'm saying is Filao's uh, sub, though, plus 2,600. Um, I think he's never subbed anybody in his entire career, uh, but I think that number is pretty whack for this this type of matchup. Uh, but yeah, you value aside, definitely. Filao here, you have to. Mm. You have to. I don't know. I don't know about a have Filao, to, but I, I inside the distance here is inside the distance. Just money line. That, just that's all, good. everything. That's... You just Filao. You you have to get on the. I'm fading Michael, Michael Pereira uh, starting now. Now is the time to get on. Yeah, the the inside the distance is probably the way to play him. Uh, he doesn't really have the this volume to win it. This guy is better than Nico Price. Mm, I don't know about that. He I don't is, know about dude. that. Are you kidding me? I, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Nico. No I don't way. know. I, I'm not willing to. I'm not willing to no write way. him off. You saw how he um, had to beat Cabo Oliveira in his last fight. No, this guy's better than him. Or at least he, similar. This is same ballpark. But let's move on. Yep. Um, I'm with that. Um, and that's going to take us to co-main event of the evening, the trilogy in the flyweight division. We have Moreno, the champ this time, minus 170, Figueredo plus 145. So, you know, huge odd shift between these these fights. Obviously, the first time, Figueredo minus 300. The second time, Figueredo minus 200. Now he's plus 145. Um, the first fight, you know, let's be real, Figueredo won that fight. He won rounds one, two, three, and five. The only round he lost was round four. And the majority of judges actually agreed with what I just said. Two out of three judges gave him one, two, three, and five. And it was still a draw somehow. Um, 
Then in the second fight, obviously, Figueredo just looked, you know, completely flat. He looked like there was something like physically wrong with him. Who knows what it really was? People speculating that it was the weight cut. But there was a clear difference in his strategy change between the first fight and the second fight. Um, you know, first fight, he came out setting the tempo, being the aggressor, landing shots on Moreno. And then the second fight, he, he barely threw anything in the first round. He completely let Moreno dictate the fight. He let Moreno get the momentum. He let Moreno take him down and hold him down a few times. And I definitely think there was something wrong. Just give me a quick answer on this one. Bozzi, do you think there was something, you know, physically wrong with Figueredo in that fight? Or do you think it was just all mental? I mean, for sure it could have been something wrong. But there's always something wrong with these guys. So, I don't know. But he just looked off. I mean, the guy, his motor wasn't there. Um, He wasn't really hustling. So, I don't know. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, just just didn't look you know like he was in the right gear. Um, so the momentum's got to be on Moreno's side this time. He's got the confidence. Um, you know, he's obviously coming off the win, submitted him. Uh, and you know, Figdo has been training at at what is it, fight ready with uh, Henry Cejudo. Cejudo is you know a guy around his same weight class. I think that training with Cejudo could really benefit him. I, I expect Fig to be in a lot better shape. I don't think he's going to let uh, Moreno get those easy takedowns like he did last time. And, you know, hopefully Figueredo just gets back to that early aggression. He comes out throwing more punches. And, uh, you know, I think from a betting perspective, I think it's Figueredo or pass. You know, I think that um, we've – I just don't think he can be back, back in Moreno at minus 170 at this price. Um even though he's got the momentum, I just think that, you know, the this is Moreno or Figueredo's fight to win or lose. It's really depends on his um his approach to the fight. And uh, you know, I kind of wish we had some other fights between these guys instead of fighting three times in a row. It's never really exciting when you see him fight back to back to back. So I'm not extremely excited for this one, but I, I would like to see Figueredo get his belt back. I'm a bigger fan of Fig, although I like Moreno too, uh so I like uh, Figueredo here as an you're, underdog. You're insane, man. This fight is going to be fucking crazy. This, like, I think this fight is going to be similar to the first one. Oh, yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Nuts, dude. This, I think it's, it's going to be similar to the first one, okay? Um, and I think that we're going to get a back-and-forth war right here. Um, you know, I do think Figueredo in some way, yeah, he some way he was compromised in that first fight, but if you want to go Narrative Nation... Second or, fight. Uh, yeah, second fight. If you want to go Narrative Nation... Figueredo stayed in Arizona, stayed at the scene of the crime, right? He lost in Arizona, stayed there for his camp, uh, probably a lot more co- uh, uh, comfortable, um, you know, fighting the second time, you know, close by there in, in California. And um, I think that the approach that he has to take there is uh, first, like his conditioning. So like the weight cut, if Henry Cejudo is helping him and keeping his weight down more, which is something a wrestler is obviously really good at. I think that's the first uh, thing that he needs to check off. And then uh, other than that, if it if it stays on the feet, I think this fight is back and forth very much so. So it was why I'm leaning towards the plus money on a Figueredo side. And then if the, if Brandon Moreno is going to go in for uh, takedowns and grappling, Figueredo just needs to be able to hustle. I do think he has a better uh, jiu-jitsu game. But if he is on bottom consistently, it's just in a sap at his gas tank. And then the margin for his error is, you know, kind of, 
uh, goes away. And that's what happened in the first fight and why Moreno was able to finish that uh, arena could choke. But uh, I think on the feet, he's going to be able to, uh, to to throw the jab out at Moreno. Moreno keeps those hands super close to his face. Not great for countering. Um, and but does get you and, and can get but uh, but you could protect your face from, you know, clean shots uh, a bit more. So I think Figueredo is going to be able to be on the front foot and uh, do that. And I'll like I like him for a bet here. I think this probably does uh, close a little bit tighter. Um, not extremely confident, but I'm interested really, really to see this fight. And I see that uh, over only slightly plus money. Very interesting line. Uh, I'm not sure where I lean on that yet, but uh, I'll definitely have something on Figueredo here at this plus money. But uh, it's going to be a tough fight for him, though. He's going into California. You know, Moreno doesn't have the crowd behind him uh, once again. Uh, but I think we see a more competitive fight for sure. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm definitely. I think it's going to be a good fight. I'm looking forward to it. I'm. I'm just saying, you know, back to back to back. Not the not the most exciting thing to see it over and over. And Figueroa, I think, probably going into that second fight, just didn't have the motivation. You know, he just beat this guy. It was a, he got robbed. He, it was a draw. Now he lost. He's got that motivation to get his belt back. I think we're going to see Figueroa back to his old form yeah, here. He looks so. fucking focused, man. They call him the God of War for a reason. Uh, I wouldn't like beating him two two times in a row is very difficult. Yep. Um, but it could be his la- regardless of his uh, win or lose. It could be his last fight at flyweight ever. He yeah. could be you know the future. I of, love uh, that guy. I love him. Um, um, so that's going to take us to the main event, heavyweight championship fight. We got the interim champion Cyril Gan as the favorite, minus one fifty three, undisputed champion Ngannou plus one thirty three. Your turn to start this one off. What's your level of excitement? Oh, I'm for looking this forward fight? to it. I mean. Uh, when when you think of heavyweights, you think of big scary dudes like both of these guys, uh, and you think of guys that uh, can you know find a knockout or you know in Serial Gon's uh, case, he's uh, like a good you know a, a good uh, show showing of MMA as a, a really big guy who uh, has a bunch of tools and knows how to use it. Um, but and obviously the backstory between these two guys training together. Uh, I I actually didn't know as much about it as I learned. I didn't know that it was like uh, Francis was like fighting uh, in the UFC is like main eventing or whatever it is. And then he comes back and this fucking guy, Serial Gans there fucking, you know, kicking the bag or whatever, you know, like a movie. Uh, and they're like, who the fuck is this guy? And then they start training together and whatever. And then they, you know, they, that's when the beef starts. Cause Francis is like, Holy shit. Like this guy's legit. And I know my trainer Fernando Lopez is going to want to push him. Uh, so, so that animosity probably started right there. And then, uh, I do believe that gone probably got the better of him more often, but, uh, Francis has continued to improve a bit. You saw a little bit of that wrestling last uh, fight, but I just don't think that he is going to be able to catch. I mean, look, uh, Francis can knock out a horse. All right. So he could definitely knock out Serial gone if he catches him early. But I do think with that bigger cage, uh, gone, he's able to uh, switch hit from both stances. Very patient, uh, is comfortable in the fire as well. Comes from a Muay Thai background where, you know, you don't know where the, what the guy's going to hit you with a knee to the body, an elbow, whatever it is, uh, where, where, uh, as Francis has made his money on just being able to debt on dude's uh, chins so i think when you're thinking about the in space all the angles and you know the dimensions of movement that serial gone has I, I do think that he's able to draw out some of those attacks of, of francis uh and then dance around them 
and uh, potentially take this fight late or, you know, land a big counter. You, I mean, I think that Gon is one of the best at, you know, moving off to a quick angle and then putting, you know, putting some damage on you. Kind of reminds me a little bit sometimes of like how Dustin Poirier does that too. He's moving, moves around and then kind of just launches a, a all-out attack at you. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to be picking Serio Gon here and I think that he gets this win, but I wouldn't be surprised at seeing uh, this fight go late uh and that gone you know gone decision line uh hitting as well nice so you know this is clearly you know uh, a technician versus powerhouse type of fight the path to victory for both guys seems pretty clear and you know one thing i'll mention right off the bat is is the size of the cage so that you mentioned it it's the big cage here i think this is a real big factor because um Ngannou's last fight against Stipe was in the small cage. You know, that was why Ngannou, uh, you know, looked his all-time best. I don't think Stipe had as much room to be elusive, to evade. And Stipe just looked, you know, spooked in that fight from the jump. I mean, he threw eight strikes in round one. I mean, considering the pace of their first fight, I mean, the first fight was like, legitimately one of the highest paced rounds in heavyweight history. And then the second fight, Stipe just, you know, elected to do pretty much nothing. And then he let um, Nganu get off in round two. He dropped him, and then he just started way too late, letting Nganu, you know, get the momentum there. And that's why Nganu looked his all-time best. Um, now, this is in the big cage. That's definitely going to play into the advantage of Gain. He's going to have more room to, to be elusive, to evade. And don't forget, Gain's uh, three of his past four fights, the junior fight, the Rosenstrike fight, and Volkov, all in the small cage. So you hear some people say that the Gain retreats linearly. He kind of moves back in a straight line, and that might be an issue. Well, you know, a lot of his fight time, you know, probably half his UFC fight time, has been in the small cage. And when you see him against Derek Lewis in the big cage, you know, much more comfortable in that big cage with all that room to move um so Ngano is going to need that bum rush type of knockout he's not gonna you know he's likely not gonna knock uh gain out at, at distance at you know punching kicking range he's gonna need to swarm him with those big crazy combinations like he got rosenstrike um now, Gain can't make the same mistake as Rosenstrike throwing fucking inside leg kicks while retreating and trying to jab Ngannou. I mean, he needs to tie Ngannou up. He needs to get him against the cage. He needs to tire out those arms. And, you know, Gain is really good at that. He, you know, comes from a Muay Thai background. He's comfortable in the clinch. So uh, Ngannou is going to rush. Cyril is going to tie him up. He's going to wear those arms out, throw some elbows and knees against the cage. And then he's going to separate back the distance. Um, and, you know, Ngannou probably has about what 10 bursts in him before starting to really slow before before starting to run out of ideas and then after you know 10 bursts after the 10 minute mark it's probably going to be all serial game and then it becomes a question of is game going to get a finish in rounds three four and five or is he going to go to the decision and i am leaning gain i'm i'm agreeing with ozzy here that it's going to be gain's fight and uh, all I'm really thinking about, though, is what does round three, four, and five look like? Is Ngannou going to just accept getting, you know, outpointed for 15 minutes and, you know, just accept defeat? Is he going to, you know, go for broke and get knocked out himself? Or is he going to kind of go with the Derek Lewis route where he just kind of gets confused, maybe a little flustered, takes a body shot, takes a knee, and the fight's over? So um, you seem to be leaning towards decision, right, Ozzy? That he's it's going to go the full uh, five for Siogon? I don't know. I, I... I'm not that sure, but yeah, I'd probably say it's better value the decision. Yeah, oh, for sure. The value is on the, de- like, I mean, I think the line on sure, game knockout is, sure, is pretty I feel insane. like, you know, I think people have been trying to convince me of that more, but 
like like I said, I think that there's gonna be multiple opportunities that Gon kind of moves off to an angle, especially when Francis is a little bit more tired, uh, and then he starts to be being able to link these combinations together, throw a kick in there, a knee, an elbow, you know, multiple you know punches in a row. So I don't, I I think I think yeah. I'd probably lean knockout, honestly. Yeah, because. We we haven't seen Gan lose or excuse me, we haven't seen Ngannou lose rounds due to getting outstruck. You know, he lost rounds to Lewis by staring at him. He lost rounds to Stipe getting out grappled, but he never has been just picked apart for five minutes. Who the hell knows what that's gonna look like? I kinda lean towards him, you know. I guess you could say finding a way out of the fight. He's he's gonna go for something crazy. If he doesn't get it, he can he's gonna shell up some, you know, combination from gain, a body shot, something like that. And uh, I'm thinking, yeah, three, four, five knockout for gain of some sort. Um, and, uh, you know, it should be really exciting, though. I mean, I think the line is is just about right. I mean, I, I think Ngannou's floor is pretty much always around 40%, no matter who he's fighting. So this line is really accurate. I mean, Ngannou uh, can only win by knockout. He certainly can't win rounds or a decision here. Um, gain has the much more, you know, versatile ways to win. One question I got for you, Ozzy. You think we're going to see any grappling in this fight? Uh, I, I do think they'll, they'll lock up and I mean, if it, if it goes as long as um, I think it is, I do think that they'll lock up somewhat and, you know, there'll be some clinching. Someone will try to take down. Yeah, I do think so. Yeah, I think I think that'll be interesting to see. You know, I we have we have seen Cyril look good on top. Um, Ngano, I think might have hit some takedowns in his early early UFC career, but hasn't in a while. So, um, I think a, a decent line here starts around three minus one twenty. Um, it's pretty much similar to the over two and a half. Uh, obviously, there is a good amount of risk for Ngano to knock out early, but um, yeah, I think I think that's about it. Um, one last question I'll pose to you is. Ngannou knockout round one or two is plus 190. Do you think that that is better than his money line, or do you think you should just take money line? Uh, no, I just play the money line, because I could see if if uh, Gon's not being aggressive, like, why does Francis, like, I think this could be a very slow fight early on. Yeah. So it sounds like we're in pretty much agreement with these these title fights. You know, we disagree on a few of these fights. Let's do our let's do our best bet parlay. Last week, I picked Jukagian. Uh, Ozzy picked Court McGee. Uh, pretty easy winner there. Both both of them looked like you know huge hindsight favorites. Um, so let's get our best bet of the weekend here. I think you mentioned yours earlier on. What is your yeah, best so bet going to be? I think yeah, you're thinking so of prop, a, right? This, we've done six of these. Each of us is four and two uh, on these like best bets. Uh, three and three on a, like if you would two, if you were to do the two team parlay one time, we didn't link up. Uh, so yeah, my I, I, I'm gonna give just a, for something that's like close to even pick em odds uh, that over two and a half in the uh, Victor Henry versus. Uh, Barcelos fight. I think that both guys are very competent everywhere. I don't think that Barcelos gets takedowns easily, and then when he does, I don't think that uh, that submission or knockout is coming easily. And then same thing on the Victor Henry side. Barcelos, really durable guy, um, and I think that he should be able to. Uh, we should be able to see a decision there. But I like a bunch of the underdogs too, you know, so that I mentioned. But uh, I, I'll pick that one, and or the goes a distance, and my whichever one. My uh, my best bet is going to be Cody Stamen money line. Uh, combining those two, we just mentioned on Bet Online plus one sixty two for Stamen, plus one hundred seven on the over two and a half. That comes out to plus four forty two odds. So that's going to be our best like bet. That. Like Ozzy said, we're th- we are three wins, three losses on these. I'm sure we're up at least like two or three units, probably maybe even four or five, honestly. So 
Um, that's going to do it for this podcast. You know, a little over, uh, just about an hour and 15. I feel like that's a pretty good time. There's a lot of good fights, a lot of talk about on this card. So I think we did pretty good getting through this in a, in a timely fashion. And uh, any closing thoughts, Ozzy? Oh. Word. Well, thank you to everyone who listened. I don't think there's UFC next week, right? I think we have a week off after this, and then we get right back. So uh, thank you to everyone who listened. Nice, nice. Um, oh, yeah, I forgot about that one. Um, well, that's going to do it for this podcast, though. Thank you to everyone who listened. Thank you, everyone who support. Make sure you're liking, following, retweeting everything on Twitter, uh, following the both of us, and checking out our bet MMAs as well. So thanks to everyone who listened, and I uh, hope you all enjoy the fights and win some bets this weekend.